Welcome to Night Voices. I'm Nolan Hamilton along with Kaylee Pasternak. We're going to take you through some podcasts that we've produced over the last month for this issue. I hope you guys enjoy them. Podcast from Henry and Matthew about the 2010 sexual assault case with the Blackhawks. On October 26, 2021, former Blackhawks general manager Stan Bowman was fired in the wake of the sexual assault allegations that shocked the Chicago Blackhawks organization. These allegations date back to the 2010 Stanley Cup playoffs when the Blackhawks won the Stanley Cup. According to the Jenner and Block Law Company's investigation on the matter, the then-video coach of the team, Bradley Aldridge, sexually assaulted unknown player John Doe 1. Before the start of the playoffs, the player reported the matter to the executive branch of the Chicago Blackhawks. The management on the team decided against any action against Aldridge because they didn't want to spread any negative media around the team before the playoffs. We sat down with Kerry Estrada, the executive director of Northwest Casa, a sexual assault organization, and talked about the effects this has on a player. Well, I think um, sexual assault really, um, it um, can off kilter many, many things, including work. So it could impact um, concentration, it can impact self-esteem, self-competency, um, it can impact the nervous system, so somebody may feel anxious or depressed, so all those can affect performance. According to Doe 1 and players from the 2010 team like Brett Sopel and Nick Boyton, a majority of the team knew about the situation. Some players even went on to harass Doe 1 and call him homophobic slurs. That's victim blaming, and that is the number one reason why people do not come forth to report. That is um, a very toxic attitude, um, and there are many, many reasons why people do not come forth. Um, and mostly it's because of this victim blaming situation. I mm -hmm. won't be believed. A day after the investigation concluded, Kyle Beach revealed himself to the hockey world as John Doe 1. Estrada thought it was really inspirational of Beach to do this. I think it's everything in this field. The more people we get speaking out about this, um, the safer our communities will become in terms of um, taking away the shame factor. You know, Kyle did nothing wrong. Um, and then when he chose to spoke about it, he received the backlash, which is not okay. And that's what a lot of our victims are fearful of. In an interview with TSN, Beach told reporter Rick Westhead how he and his family felt after the assault in 2010. Honestly, I was scared, mostly. I was fearful. I had had my career threatened. I felt alone and dark. Um, sorry, I'm, it's tough to recall these moments. Um, I think mostly I, I felt like I was alone and there was nothing I could do and nobody I could turn to for help. And I didn't know what to do. As a 20-year-old, I would never dream or you could never imagine being put in this situation by somebody that's supposed to be there to help you and to make you a better hockey player and a better person and continue to build your career and um, just just scared and alone with no idea what to do. Um, my mom cried for days. She felt responsible. She felt like she should have protected me and there was nothing she could do. And after that first conversation with them, we never spoke about it again. 
uh, until very recently. Um, I never brought it up and they respected my privacy. They would ask if I was okay and let me talk about what I wanted to talk about. And um, I did what I thought I had to do to, to survive, to continue chasing my dream. And that was to not think about it, to not talk about it, to ignore it. And um, that's all I could do. After the playoffs, Aldridge left the organization without any consequence and even got a letter of recommendation for his next job at Houghton High School in Michigan, where he went on to sexually assault a hockey student at the school. Beach had a special message to the teenager that he shares a connection with today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't do more when I could to make sure it didn't happen to him to protect him, but I also want to say thank you to him because when I decided after a teammate asked me about it when I was playing overseas and I decided to Google Brad Aldrich's name, that's when I found out about the Michigan individual, the Michigan team. And because of what happened to him, it gave me the power and the sense of urgency to take action <laughs> to make sure it wouldn't happen to anybody else. So I'm sorry and, I'm, and I thank you. Come. And I hope at some point down the road, if he's open to it, I would love to meet him because unfortunately we share something in common that's going to be a part of us for the rest of our lives. This unfortunate event and the irresponsibility of the Blackhawks management group in 2010 has caused much harm to Beach and others. The NHL has to work for this to never happen again. With Henry Kaki producing, this is Matthew Nemchik signing off for Night Voices. Sports. Zach, Nick, and PJ break down the upcoming college football playoff. Start with the top four ranked teams that have made the playoffs. Number one, Alabama. Number two, Michigan. Number three, Georgia. And number four, Cincinnati. Fellas, how do we feel about the rankings? Well, I, well my predictions are I think it's going to be Georgia and Alabama easily. There's no doubt about it. Cincinnati's going to get destroyed. Yeah, not, I think Alabama's going to end up winning the championship. I agree with you, PJ. I think Alabama's going to beat Cincinnati by, I think... 28 points. Yeah, at least three possessions. Ryan, Ryan, this is Ryan Brady on TikTok. I mean, Ryan and stuff about how Alabama wants Cincinnati. Alabama wants Cincinnati. Nick Saban's going to find a way to put it against them and then just steamroll them. Um, I'm going to pick Cincinnati to win this one. John Mechie just tore his ACL, who's the number one wide receiver on Alabama. And <clears throat> Doug Ritter, the quarterback for it's, University. It's Desmond, by the way. Wow. Desmond Ritter. Excuse me. Starts with a D. Um, quarterback for University of Cincy. This guy is just an animal. And I think he has the potential to just tear apart the Alabama defense. Um, they, I mean... They haven't played anyone, though. That's fine. They beat Notre Dame, actually. So I mean, if there's one thing I learned, I'll never underestimate Nick Saban, though. Yeah. That's you fair. You can't bet against him. I just like betting the underdog. It's going to make the game a little more fun. Hopefully, it's not a blowout. What are your predictions for the Michigan-Georgia game? 
Oh, I think Georgia's going to win easily. I think the SEC is much more competitive than the Big Ten in every aspect. Um, and their defense has been stellar the entire season except for the Alabama game, who they played them last week and lost 41-24. to But aside from that game, they've been no less than outstanding on both sides of the ball. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to have to go with the Bulldogs. Yeah, I'm picking Georgia too. If this game would have been played this week instead of in three weeks or four weeks, it would it would be a different story because Michigan's hot right now. But now that since they have a bye, it's going to be Georgia. They're going to have time to game plan and yeah, go the, the X's and O's. These games aren't played until when? Like December thirty first. Yep, yeah, New Year's. Yeah. yeah, so it's a long time. Now listen to Kevin's review of the newest Marvel movie, Eternals. Now, when Eternals was first announced, I really didn't know what to think. Not so much because it was very perplexing, but more so because it's like the eighth Marvel property to come out this year, and at this point, I'm just sort of watching them. I mean, Hawkeye comes out later this month. I mean, it's Hawkeye. Just shove it in my face. I'll watch it. It's fine. Now, Eternals, on the other hand, did sort of seem to have something unique going for it. Chloe Zhao, who won an Academy Award for Nomadland last year, was at the helm as writer and director, which promised a Marvel movie that would, at least in theory, be more cinematically rich and powerful than the rest of Marvel's catalog. Now, did I watch Nomadland? I just talked about Hawkeye ten seconds ago. What do you think? Now, even before it released, however, Eternals pulled the most baffling cinematic 180 that the MCU has yet seen. As of November 14th, it has a 48% on Rotten Tomatoes, making it the only MCU movie without a fresh score on the site. Now, you might be saying, Kevin, that's not that bad. That's better than I did in my last math test. Which, one, why are you listening to this instead of studying? Two, it sits a full 18% lower than Thor The Dark World, which was previously the lowest rated MCU movie on the site. Now, if you've seen Thor The Dark World... What? What? Like, according to critics, Eternals is worse than Black Widow. Now, Black Widow isn't awful, but... Guys, one of them was directed by an Oscar-winning writer and director, and the other one was just Black Widow. As long as Eternals doesn't completely fall on its face, it should still be way better than a corporate cash grab like that. Now, this makes it sound like I think Eternals should get an Oscar itself, and that's not true. Now, I should probably rail a little on the movie before my credibility goes even further down the drain than it already has. First of all, the premise of making a serious and cinematic Marvel movie was a terrible one to begin with. I'm not saying that Marvel movies can't be emotional or well-made, but above all, they're made to entertain, not to provide a deep emotional experience or anything. So, in the end, you have a movie that is desperately trying to be rich and emotionally driven, filled with tonally inconsistent jokes and out-of-place plot elements that clearly don't belong in the movie that Chloe Zhao was trying to make. And it should also be mentioned that these jokes and plot elements don't work. Yeah, you might think, well, oh, I like jokes as long as they're funny. No, they're not funny jokes. It doesn't feel natural when you have one of the characters say, Oh, well, I'm strong enough to lead the Avengers now. No, that doesn't feel natural at all. It completely takes you out of the movie and ruins the experience. It feels like a lot of this stuff was just thrown in there to fill the basic Marvel quota so they could sell as many action figures as possible. Yippee! The only mistake the movie really makes is being a Marvel movie. I mean, for the most part, it feels completely disconnected from the rest of the MCU, and it seemingly goes out of its way to avoid most Marvel tropes. Now, that doesn't save the embarrassing choices made with the plot at points. It kind of feels like Chloe Zhao wrote like 98% of the script, and then she was sick for one day, so some random intern filled in the rest, and they just sort of went with it. Yet, these aren't like 
top 10 embarrassing mistakes in Eternals sort of things. Yeah, these are actual oversights that remove some of the emotional weight from parts of the movie for no good reason at all. And yet, I, I still kind of liked it. Yeah, I'm seeing a trend in many of my reviews as of late where I sort of do a, it's not good. But, yeah, if you don't jive with that, I'm sorry. But I'm kind of a sucker for movies that aren't good, but, you know, they've got spirit. You know, like, the things I've mentioned here could, in fact, ruin the movie for you, but in truth, I really didn't dislike the movie as much as I expected, and I can still really recognize the good things it has going for it. The biggest problem that I expected the movie to have was its overwhelmingly large cast. Like, an ensemble of 20-something heroes works a whole lot better when the audience already knows all of them. Trying to introduce 10 characters all at once seemed a little impossible, especially when they're so obscure. Like, if I asked someone on the street three years ago what Eternal was, they probably would have just been like, Wait, is that like a Doctor Who villain or something? But the movie actually pulls it off fairly smoothly. Now, yeah, if you were really trying to pick the movie apart, these are by no means deep or multifaceted characters or anything, but for me, they still kind of worked. Every character only has a couple of defining traits, but overall, those traits worked incredibly well for me. Every character has something about them that gives them a little bit of extra depth and spice, and that makes them fairly compelling overall. For example, the one guy, Dr Drig, Dr Drig, names, uh, has the ability to control other people's minds, he's constantly upset because he and all the other Eternals can't use their powers to stop human conflicts, which he could do in a snap of a finger. Now, that might not sound like much, but it's, it's something. That's interesting. It's kind of refreshing to have characters that are actually defined by their motivations rather than just being, ooh, determined to stop the bad guy. Sure, you could say, ooh, well, none of the characters get enough development to be fully fleshed out or stand on their own. Well, yeah, that's why there's nine other ones right there. I mean, the fact that there's ten main characters instead of just one means that they were free to branch out and give them traits and motivations that go beyond just determined and spunky. Saying the movie is bad because one or two characters doesn't connect with you is a little ridiculous. I mean, I guarantee you'll find at least a few characters that you care about, and for me that was enough to feel invested. If there's one thing to be said about the movie, it's that it's interesting. Never was I just sort of sitting back like I knew what to expect, because I didn't. Everyone has different goals and beliefs, and while it's a lot to juggle, it's very rewarding, and it ties together in a satisfying way in the end. This is not by any means a typical superhero movie, and I don't say that lightly. It felt like there were true, meaningful, personal stakes for the characters. And it feels like it's been forever since we've had a Marvel property that actually challenges its characters' beliefs as much as it challenges them to, you know, beat down the big gray CGI thing. Stuff goes down in this movie, and it doesn't end with the everything's fine, we're all Avengers now, yay, that I expected it to. People die, and it's not just the general sort of death to motivate the hero before the finale, they're just gone. The best analogy that I can think of for Eternals is that it's the Wonder Woman 1984 of Marvel movies. Sure, it's got a lot of problems and glaring oversights in its script, but Hidden Beneath is a well-made movie with great characters and deep themes. I mean, this one doesn't have Pedro Pascal in it, but it, it managed to be good anyway. Now, don't worry, it's not nearly as flaw-ridden as Wonder Woman 1984, and it's way more emotional, too. I mean, when it hits, it hits hard. The movie has more plot twists and gut punches than the last few years of Marvel movies combined, and, you know, I genuinely believe this, there are more emotional moments than there are fight scenes. That's an actual thing I'm saying about a Marvel movie. Not to mention, the gigantic scope means there's some really impressive imagery throughout. The entire movie was shot incredibly well, and there's some literal jaw-dropping stuff in there. As for the fight scenes, I'm now realizing that I didn't actually notice anything bad about them while watching, so... That's better than most Marvel movies, I guess. Now, there's a lot to criticize about Eternals, but there is far more to like. 
So it's probably the first Marvel property with many glaring errors and plot holes. So what? It may not be great, but Eternals is something new, and that's all I really want from Marvel at this point. I really don't mind if everything doesn't pan out perfectly, just give me something besides the same old generic Marvel shtick that I've seen in every single Marvel property released this year. <gasps> oh god, I've watched so many. <clears throat> but genuinely, I did not know what to expect while watching Eternals, and do you have any idea how long it's been since I felt that way while watching a Marvel property? I know it's not great, and I know I'm mostly just focusing on the good parts of the movie, but there's so much more behind Eternals than it first seems. It isn't perfect, but it's something. It's a Marvel movie that's actively trying to do something new, and I really don't care how many plot holes it has as long as it's trying. Eternals is engaging, character-driven, and above all, unique. And that might not mean much to you, but for me, it amounts to a whole lot more than 48%. With the Bears season almost halfway over, Tito Gavin breaks down the 2021 Chicago Bears season. Uh, pretty quickly to age and to injury. Yeah, definitely. Our defense is definitely now it's not necessarily keeping everyone together, but it's more keeping everyone together before they retire. Because Bojack is getting, he's not old, but you know, he's coming off their rookie contract. We have Roquan who's young, but then Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn, Khalil Mack, Tevon. Tevin Gibson, they're all young guys, they're all old guys, they're all coming towards the back half of their career, and it's now it's like, we have only so many years before these great players are gone, and I think, but they have a good future with the young guys, Mooney, Kamat, and Fields, Monty, they're all really young, there's a lot of potential for this team, but like you said, I think this year should be more, more viewed of like that building block for the future, because I think... Allen Robinson, if he doesn't leave this year, I don't know what his his plan is because he seemed pretty ready to get out of Chicago. And I don't know how mad I'll be if he leaves. I think the offense has really shown this is kind of Mooney's offense now. He seems like the forefront, the big playmaker now. He's leading the team in receiving yards, and he's the second place Cole Komet is like 300 yards behind. So it's clearly Mooney's being the big target guy he's being the playmaker for us and I that's where I think I see like maybe we don't actually need Allen Robinson and the team and I think this rebuild year this is just kind of good experience for everyone those young guys on our offense finally here's my podcast where I talk to a few prospect students about this year's Spotify wrapped On December 1st, Spotify released their fifth annual Spotify Wrapped, a slideshow of your listening history over the past year. Diving into the minutes listened, top songs, top artists, and top genres, and always adding a modern phrase or trend into the slides, proving postable among all social media platforms for years to come. As you can imagine, Spotify Wrapped has become something to look forward to every year, and sophomore Alia Abdelatif agrees. I definitely do. Like since like October, I've been like searching up like when Spotify Wrapped coming out. Like it's, I feel like it's really fun just looking through like your like all your listening like infographics and stuff. Like I, I do look forward to it. Like I'm, I'm like genuinely interested in like, like the amount of minutes listened to music is like really like something I look forward to seeing, so. 
But Spotify Wrapped may not always be perfect. Sophomore Raya Uvakova has found some flaws. Um, honestly, like, I don't think it was that accurate for only one of the artists that I that was in my top five. But other than that, like, the stats and everything, with, like, the .5 and, like, the top percentiles, I think that was pretty, it was pretty good. I think it really reflected what I did throughout the year. And although Spotify Wrapped is seeming to become a well-known tradition, it is not the only unique feature that Spotify offers. I made the switch, like, because they have all the personalized, like, the Discover Weekly and stuff, and that's where I get most of my music from. So I really, like, I don't think I would switch back. The playlist is, like, honestly the huge part of it. Like, whenever, like, the conversation comes up, I'm like, oh, like, Spotify really does, like, adjust, like, your own music taste. Like, it offers so much more. Like, the organization is definitely better. Like, they recently added this thing where if you go to, like, your library, you can, like, there's, like, different tabs. Like, it shows you playlists, artists, albums, and downloaded, and it's that's not really offered in other apps, so. With new features added every few months, Spotify always finds new ways to help listeners. They added lyrics to songs, make many personalized playlists, and have ways to interact with friends. Like being able to sync up to your friend's music at the same time that they are listening, and showing the song that your friend is listening to in real time. I honestly do think so, because they like get in touch, like they like kind of piece together the artists you listen to, and they kind of like um, expand on that like and like those specific genres and like related artists and they kind of include those artists and like playlists and develop like different mixes you can also make a playlist with your friend or spotify will enhance your playlist by adding songs they think you would like but that is not all spotify partners with the artists and then they do like special things for their top listeners which i, I like that and by partnering with artists, you are able to get a first chance to buy tickets and get special merch before it comes out to the public. And that's how I found, like, the last two concerts that I went to was through Spotify. And, like, I knew about it first, and I got, like, the pre-sales. With Alia and Raya listening to a combined 110,000 minutes this year, listening to music is a part of their daily routine. The absolute biggest. I wake up at 7 a.m., the headphones go in at 7.05, and then I just don't take them out. Maybe during lunch to charge them, and then I put them back in. When I lift, like, I play music when I'm working out. Like, at all times, like, when I'm doing my homework, I have something playing in the back. Like, there's just always music going. Oh, like, such a huge difference. Like, um, I always have music on, like, doing classwork, doing homework. Like, just generally doing, like, I always have background music on. Definitely does play a huge role. Just in general, the music that like I listen to just kind of like keeps me like focused, like on task. And Spotify really does contribute to like keeping that all together and like continuing that role that it plays. In the end, Spotify Rap encapsulates the love of music all listeners have. And if we were in your Spotify Rap this year, thank you very much. This is Kaylee Pasternak reporting for Night Voices.